Hello, this is Maximum Nerd Rage. I am your host, Michael Pooler, known on many platforms as Colden House. I am here joined with my semi-permanent co-host, Cash Ross, and we're going to get our rage on today. Say hi, Rage. Yes, we're gonna get we're gonna get kind of ragey. I know the first several episodes of Maximum Nerd Rage have been more just kind of getting our feelers in and talking about stuff. Today, we're actually gonna get into some actual rage. Um, as you can probably tell by the title of today's episode, "Adaptation to Repulsion," we are talking about adaptations. So, let's get started. I just want to not quote, because I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but lean on Alan Moore when he talked about in his BBC Maestro class. Uh, If you don't know what that is, it's kind of like Masterclass, but done by BBC. Highly recommend Alan Moore's class. It's fantastic. He talks about his extreme dislike for adaptations. And again, I can't remember his exact words, but he talks about how it's just not good for the industry, not good for the ideas and processes that come through. And we just wanted to talk about that. Like, what do we see? How do we feel about particular adaptations, both old and new? And everything in between. So, what I first wanted to talk about is two of my favorite adaptations that I feel are really good and really solid, and I will throw hands over. And that is Old Yeller and Where the Red Room Grows. Both are fantastic films, great casts, great stories. They follow the books that they're based on quite heavily. All they do is some minor changes due to things that had to be removed. They don't add unnecessary things, which we'll talk about more later. They don't purposely remove things to ruin the story or change the story or any way, shape, or form. They just are trying to take the book and put it on screen, which if you really break it down, is is a hard thing to do. Taking something that you you look at these letters that someone said, this means that, and then these letters put together means this, and then you hallucinate something as you're putting them together in your brain, and then putting it to where you see it is a hard thing to do. Casting is a big part of that. Casting is absolutely, pivotally important. Because if you don't have a good cast, especially a good cast that meets the description in the book, that's where you first start to falter in your adaptations. And there's been a lot of different things where a book will describe someone so specifically that the adaptations just can't live up to it because that's not the character. That's not who is exemplified in the novel's writing. But I feel like Old Yeller and Where the Red Fern Grows really exemplify good casting, good story, good dedication to the original art, the original story, 
and really respect. And that's that's another big thing is respect what they're based off of and where they're from. Yeah. Uh, I actually never saw Old Yeller. Surprise, surprise. But I have seen the where, where the Red Fern Grows. I did enjoy that movie. Been a, been a hot minute since I've seen that one, though. Yeah. It has been a hot minute for me as well. I just remember really enjoying both of those movies. Um, I do, again, highly recommend Old Yeller. Uh, fantastic book. Fantastic movie. It just really good. Really, really good. Um, and the casting for the dog. Even the dog was great, man. Like, yeah. so good. Um, some other ones that I wanted to talk about that were good adaptations and I feel like really stuck to the source material and the ideas and the focus of what the, the creator, the writer, the artists, what have you, were trying to get across is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Um, I really felt like that film met the magic and whimsical nature of the book. I would you agree. F- you felt like you were being introduced to this wizarding world. You felt and saw the magic of everything. And that was, in my opinion, a lot of to do with the evolutions of CGI at the time. We got to see these things that previously weren't able to be done on screen in a film before and it added to that level of magicalness you know that whimsical fantasy world that harry potter set in being a flipping wizard yeah yeah it was it was very very good and as someone who loved the story i just was completely drawn in to how well they respected the story obviously there was stuff that had to be removed from the story because books usually describe things in certain ways that either can't be put on camera or are too long and have to be trimmed down because movies are average movie length is you know hour and a half two hours long yeah that's just not not long enough yeah, and that's why, in my opinion, things like TV shows are better ways to adapt things. Uh, we'll get into that later. Um, but I've always been a huge proponent of why are we adapting things into a two-hour-long movie when giving it a respectful six hours would be a lot better. And we've seen, like, just off the top of my head, Psych. TV show started in, uh, I believe, 2008, 2000, somewhere around there, mid-2000s, had like 23 hour-long episodes in a season. That's a lot. That's 24 hours-ish in one season. And we can't get books adapted into like a six-hour season. Like it yeah. just it just blows my mind that we don't have the same ideology of that. And with Psych, a lot of those episodes were flipping boring and seasons dragged on. Like I after rewatching it several times, I'm like, man, I just just make it end. Um just put but, me out of my misery. Yeah. But Things that are more focused and 
true to a story don't have that same inability to be rewatched over and over and over again. That's why I like things like Sherlock, the show with Benedict Cumberbatch. It was, you know, two to four episode seasons, and they were good. They were awesome. We don't have to have a ton. We just have to have good. Good. And I feel like Harry Potter and Sorcerer's Stone took that smaller story, because as the, as the books went on, they got larger and larger and larger. But the first one was small enough to really be adapted, in my opinion, pretty well into an hour and a half yeah. film. And it it was just whimsical. And I felt like even in the series itself, it lost its way through that because it was doing movies and not a TV show. Yeah. So once you get to like the fourth book, you're having to chop out tons and tons and tons of stuff for the sake of a film that needs to be in the story to understand what's going on. And so you end up with this half told story and I've always been irritated by that. It's always bugged me that we're like, well, why can't we just have everything there? Why do we have to cut so much out? Because we can't have our cake and eat it too. That's why. Well, that's why we're ranting and raging today is because I want to have the cake and eat it too. I want it. All of it. But, yes, I want all of it. I want to gain that weight, bro. Can the hold the gains. <laughs> <laughs> but another good adaptation that I feel uh, away from books is the movie The Crow. I felt like that movie, based on the comic book, really dedicated itself to the trauma, the sorrow that that comic portrayed. And I felt like the external circumstances of like Brandon Lee's death and the darker tone that they did cinematography wise really lent itself into the spirit of what the comic book was trying to portray. And I felt the, like that paid off really well. Is that the movie where uh, he's like a guitar player or something band hey. or I can't remember. I think, I think so. I've seen it before, but Him and his girlfriend it. get murdered. He comes back from the dead as this supernatural character. Oh, that's gets right. Gets revenge on the people who kill him and his girlfriend. That's right. Okay. It was like yeah, Brandon Lee's breakthrough film, and then it also turned out to be his last. So, yeah. very sad. And then the sequels were just terrible. Like talk about bad do. adaptations. Those were terrible adaptations. But the, the first one with Brandon Lee is really, really good. Uh, it's a cheesy '90s film, so you, there's not a lot you can really hope for. But from an adaptation standpoint, I felt like it stuck really well to the the comic. Yeah. With that said, however, the remake of it. I'm cautious about because of modern interpretations and adaptations. Is there a remake coming? Yeah. It comes out oh, next cool. year. Bill Skarsgård, who played Pennywise in the remake of the It's, is playing Eric Draven. So I'm interested to see how he does because he does really well in makeup as like a creepy 
kind of horror character, and that's kind of what the crow is, is a creepy character who comes back for revenge. So I'm interested to see how he does, but at the same time, I'm like, does it really need to be remade? But we can talk about remakes in a, in a whole separate episode, because yeah, that's a whole other can true. of worms. Whole other can of rage. Big, big old, big old can of worms. Yeah. Uh, but those those are what I wanted to kind of start the episode with, with what I feel are good adaptations, what you can look at to find a good adaptation dedicated to what the original story was trying to portray in the way that it was trying to portray it. Um, and the next thing I wanted to talk about is things that are good but bad adaptations. <laughs> so what I mean by that is you can watch it and you can enjoy it, but the adaptation portion of it itself is quite horrendous. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't stick to the doesn't material. S- doesn't stick to the material, changes things, removes things, but for some reason is still interesting and beautiful in its own way. Yeah. Um, and the two that I came up with for this mini section in between good and bad is V for Vendetta and Lord of the Rings. Now, I'm a huge Lord of the Rings movie fan. I watch them every year to every two years. I do a whole feast day. Cash has been a part of them. I make, you know, all seven meals. I'm eating every one to two hours it's a whole shim it's a whole shebang i love these movies but due to how big the books are and how tolkien writes with over description and very dry language so much had to be cut out and due to that so much had to be changed to make the story work Rip Tom Bombadil. Rip Tom Bombadil. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge portion of the book cut out. The other one was the meeting in Rivendell. That was that in the book is a very, very long conversation. And in the movie, it's like a couple minutes. Yeah. And then they're like, and we're off. And it was a huge chunk of Fellowship of the Ring. So there's a lot to be left uh, lacking in the adaptation portion of those films. But you can't take away the fact that those were really good movies. The cinematography was fantastic. The casting was amazing. Um... Everything about those is just so enjoyable. And the practical effects, like, come on, you can't. Oh, the practical yeah, effects were so fantastic. It was like you were right there in yeah. the battle. The Urukai were just works of art with that makeup, man. Just fantastic. Yeah. Utterly fantastic. Um, but for the other one, V for Vendetta. Again, I love the comic book. Alan Moore is amazing. Absolutely amazing. I love the film. Absolutely love, love, love that movie. But it is a horrible, 
adaptation. They change so much from that book to that movie. Like they completely take away the anarchism that was in the the comic book and make it a semi-political religious thing. I don't know. It's there's so much that they changed and yet so much that they got too. Like I can think of this one scene where there's a rose in the shower when one of the girls is killed by V, and it it was beautiful. Like it was the comic book brought to life, but there's so much about it that's wrong that it's just like either take inspiration from it and do your own thing with it, or like leave it alone because yeah. you you're you're good in and of yourself. You stand by yourself. But man, you sucked at adapting this thing. You were just terrible at it. You tried so hard and got so far, but in the end it didn't even matter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And what, who is that? Who is that? What is that song lyric? Oh, that's Linkin Park in the end. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah, Lincoln Park. Yeah, I do that all the time, and it, it bugs my wife. She hates it when I do that because I'll just go off and I'll just keep singing the song, or like say I won't even sing. I'll just like talk, say the song, and it just drives her up the wall. <laughs> it's it's fantastic. I love it. Yeah, you are kind of a dick. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a um, little bit. So, going from here, um, what? I really, really had on my mind recently is things in which I feel like there's just no respect for the original source material and are just quite horrendous adaptations. These are things that uh, I brought three of them to the table. Cash brought one, so I'll let him speak more on the one that he brought. Uh, But I'm just very passionate about them, and I just don't like them. I I just I just can't. They they should never have been done. As or they, they should have just been done better. Yes. Like that's that's my main my main thing is like I'm not like Alan Moore where I'm you know adaptation bad adaptation bad. Uh, just respect and show love towards what you're trying to adapt. Don't change things. Don't add things. Take what was written, take what is there, and make it a thing. You don't need to change things. You don't need to add things. You may need to take away, and I'm fine with things getting taken away for things like runtime or continuity errors in and of things, plot holes, subplots that never get resolution. Like There's plenty of reasons to take something out, but adding things and changing things is where you, you just start yeah. to get me. And that's where like V for Vendetta is like, it's really good, but man, it sucked at adapting. Things like The Witcher Show are just awful. I watched I, a little bit of The Witcher. and I, I only never... made it three episodes in. I yeah. could not make it through the whole first season because 
because of what they did. Like, um, my big gripes, my biggest gripes about that TV show. I'll get into it just immediately. I'm just going to jump right in. Do it. I love the books. I think the books are absolutely fantastic. I think Andrei Sepkowski did a fantastic, a fantastic job creating this character, creating this world, and utilizing thoughts and ideas similar to Grimm's fairy tale to bring Polish folk tales to life. And I don't feel like that was respected at all in this adaptation because they added so much garbage to it to try and make characters that in the first season didn't even need to be a part of the story. Interesting. And specifically like Siri. Siri shouldn't have been in the first season at all. The first season should have been about the short story books, the collections. Siri's the uh, little white haired girl, girl, right? Yeah, yeah. It's and she's not supposed to be white haired. It's supposed to be mousy gray. Oh. Um. But my biggest, my biggest frustration was like the one thing that just really chapped my my butt. Like, just I was just like this. This, this, like I just, I just can't right now. Was when Jennifer got her uterus removed and the ritual to become a sorceress. That's fun. First, first off, that completely contradicted what causes, um sorceresses to be infertile that's written in the books they explicitly state that utilizing magic atrophies the ovaries and it's but it not also... actually ripping at ripping yeah them. yes correct it's an atrophication of an organ okay and also in the books they're Yennefer and Geralt get into an argument and he leaves because they both kind of want kids, but neither of them can have kids. They're both sterile. And that causes a lot of friction between them that ends up with them going into an an on and off again relationship where they both are in love with each other. They want each other, but they just they just can't. Because there's this friction of a desire that can't be met. And that's where yeah. Siri comes into the play and plays the surrogate of that. Because um, they want to have them kids. Yeah. And <laughs> and so, like, just, just, just that one little change irked me so bad. Because it was like, there's written lore concerning this. And you just were like, nah, brah. We're nah, going to do sucks. something completely different. Yeah, yeah this, nah, nah. Let's, let's just roll this up, throw it in the trash, and yeah. then we'll come up with something else. Yeah. And there were some other things, like the stuff they added to the sorceress's school, and all that, that whole backstory for Yennefer was dumb. Like, I did not understand why they had to add in the what powered the school what 
why are you just making stuff up? Like it's needless. You have a story of Geralt doing specific missions and specific hunts. Why not just focus on those, build up the world, build up Geralt, and then introduce Jennifer and then introduce Siri and go from there. Like they did such a bad job adapting these books that their main character, their main actor left the show because uh, he couldn't tolerate it anymore. Like Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. Cavill Henry Cavill? I honestly don't know. Cavill, Cavill, Henry C. Cavilly. <clears throat> um, dedicated nerd, you know. Yeah. Missed a call from Zack Snyder telling him that he had officially gotten the role for, as Superman. Because he was playing WoW, like, and then there's a thirsty video of him building a computer, like, just the king of nerds <laughs> left a TV show because there was no respect being put towards the original source material. Like, that's how bad this show is in reality. And I think the people who really enjoy it, and the people that I've talked to who really enjoy it, either haven't played the video games, which. I haven't played the video games either, um, or haven't read the books, so they don't really know anything better. Yeah, I, I haven't read the books. Um, I played a little bit of the Witcher 3 Wild Hunt or whatever. Yeah. But that's about it. Um, and even the video games I've heard aren't the best adaptations. They're kind of like the middle ground. They're really good, but they're terrible adaptations. Gotcha. Um, so, again, I'm, I'm not going to hate on anything I haven't played, so I, I'm going to move back to the TV show. But I just I got really chapped with that show because of the additions and changes that were completely needless. Yeah. And that leads into the second thing I wanted to talk about, which was bad for the same reasons, which is Wheel of Time. Another favorite book series. So good. So well written. Dedicated lore. Dedicated storylines. Well thought out storylines that have. Yeah. Like he had at one point like what 13 14 main characters in the story and all of them had good flowing storylines with dedicated time yep. and the show was just like nah fam did you know that the dragon could be a chick and it's like no it's the dragon it's it's a dude like they just didn't even try with with it or the one thing that I turned it off when it, when they did this was, I think it was episode, it was either episode three or episode five. I can't remember how far I made it into the show. But they were doing an episode on Logan. Again, not sure why, because Logan was only like a background character until book six. It was he like, was, oh, hey, he there's was... Logan. Okay, now we're moving on to other things. And then, like, six books later, he's like, oh, hey, let's bring Logan back. And now he's a main character again. They focus on him for a whole episode, which had nothing to do with the flipping book that they were focusing on. 
And they're like, man, we can't really see what he's doing. And he's pressing against our chains and everything. And then he finds a crack in their armor. And if you know anything about the lore, you can... What they're doing is kind of lore accurate. But... Weaving. Weaving and everything like that. But males can't see females weaving. And females can't see males weaving. But you can feel it. Like if a... a, if a female prevents you from weaving as a male, you can feel that weave, you just can't see it. But another female who can weave would be able to see that weave. And so they're sitting there and they're preventing Logan from weaving. He finds a crack in their armor and starts to weave. Again, they can't see what he's doing. And one of the chicks throws up a shield to stop darts that he's throwing at the chicks. I'm like, how does she see the darts? She can't see the weaves. You can't how do you know totally to throw took, up a shield? They took the whole like magic system and they're like, ah oh, no, no. Yeah. And it's just a small part of it that was dumb. That's that's what I that's when I turned it off. I was like, you I, you set you set it up in the show. They set it up that you can't see each other's weaves, and then contradict themselves in the show. And I was like, out of all the things that I hated about this, that was the that was the one thing that made me turn it off. There was a lot. Taken. There was a lot in there. Um, little, uh, the the wife, the, the, yeah, wife. the wife for Perrin. Like, Perrin why? having a wife made no sense. That was the whole Zero. point as to why the Falcon as his wife was important. It's because yep. he never thought he was going to have someone. And then this this just insane aggro check, just like, nah, you're mine now. And um, then the unneeded uh, <sighs> hanky-panky with Rand and Egwene, like, like... Okay, it's like they were trying way too hard to make this. Oh, look at this! this yeah, show it's it's the new Game of Thrones, and oh look, it's so sexy. Oh, yeah, and it didn't need to be, man. It just no, it was... no. Save save it for when uh, Rand is with uh, what's her face, Avienda. Yeah, the right? little uh, ale ale girl. Yeah, and there's. Uh, <sighs> There's just so much about that show that was just aggravating. But Perrin having a wife at the beginning of the show and the chick seeing the male weave just made me quit the show. I was like, this does not make sense. At all. At all. And then, what, 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 the warders. Pretty sure the warders were like all sorts of having hanky-panky between themselves or something? I don't know. I I don't know. I really wasn't paying too much attention to that background style because I was like, I don't understand what you're trying to get across. I was too caught up in... Yeah, they just tried so hard to make it uh, hip and... and, uh, New and fresh. New and, and just... Yeah, just totally ruined. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let's move on past that because I could just spend way too much time groaning about Wheel of Time. Um, Sword of Truth. Uh, 
that was one you wanted to talk about because I have not read nor watched that. Sort of truth. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a long book series. I don't know if I even finished all of it, but it's uh almost on par with like Wheel of Time, I think. But they and it's it's uh, one where you encounter a lot of like ethical type deal and things like that torture uh some pretty wicked crazy stuff but uh um yeah they did a a show and i couldn't get past the first episode and it was just it was absolute trash like they they uh Again, just overly sexualized, and the yeah, I gotta remember what their casting was like. Um, I'm not seeing anybody from the cast that I even know as an actor or actress. But yeah, okay, yeah, so. The uh, the, shoot, I'm gonna have to go back and look at that again because all I remember from that first episode was they just the absolute cheese that they brought into it and then the oversexualization took completely took away from um these grand ethical and uh problems that they go into and yeah that's another one that i just it should be burned it should be burned down the the studio that did it should uh oh it's called legend of the seeker yeah Yeah. legend of the seeker yeah screw that screw that show yeah um okay well let's move on to the next one and that's chronicles of narnia lion the witch in the wardrobe specifically the movie that came out um Oh, when did that movie come out? It was early 2000s, I believe. 2008. Oh, actually, my birthday in 2008, May 16th. Um, I did not enjoy this movie. They, again, they changed so much and added so much. And I was just like, why are we doing this? Like, you have such a great, great cast, man. Um, Why ruin? Why butcher it? Why butcher it so so poorly? Um, I just, I, I, I just couldn't. It made me so, so frustrated. Like, you have Tilda Swinton 
as the White Witch, which is just amazing casting. You know, Tilda Swinton is a fantastic actress. Great as the White Witch, but was just... uh, It was just nonsensical. James McAvoy as Mr. Tumnus was, again, great casting, but they made the character unrecognizable from the books. And then, who did the voice of Aslan? Was that... Uh, shoot, I don't remember. I don't remember either. Aslan. <laughs> oh, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson did Aslan. Again, like, great cast. Great voice. Oh. But it just was ruined by an absolutely mediocre film. Yes, the fight scenes were great, and there was some blood in a PG movie, and there was debatable as to whether it should have been PG or they should have pushed for a PG-13 movie. Like, you can get into a lot of film debates about the production and rating of this film, which I can talk about at great length in another episode. But it was just an infuriating infuriating adaptation (laughs) just full of changes like mr and mrs beaver and their whole storyline of like evacuation and being chased by the wolves and i was just like why what (laughs) and i hadn't even read the book in like six years watching it i was just like oh my goodness this is a book i haven't read so it's my favorite book of all time. Like, I love Chronicles of Narnia, but Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is my favorite book of all time. And I hadn't read it in about six years when I watched the movie. And I just was like, I was so offended, absolutely offended by how horribly they took the book and made it into a, a film. Oh, no. Release date was December 2005. Prince Caspian came out on my birthday. Never mind. Wrong film. Um, Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe came out in December 9th, 2005. So, yeah. Terrible, terrible adaptation of a fantastic book. Fantastic book series. Terrible. Yeah. C.S. Lewis for the win. Rip. Yeah, so we've talked about what makes a good adaptation. We talk about what makes a good film, but a terrible adaptation. And then we talked about what just makes a terrible, unenjoyable film adaptation and things like that, where you just, you just, you can't watch it. Like V for Vendetta, you can read the comic book, you can love the comic book, and you can love the the movie like it's easy to love them because they're almost two different things but when you get to things like the witcher wheel of time chronicles of narnia and sword of truth that like they're just bad they're just grown 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 rage nerve rage yeah um and then there's just one last thing I wanted to talk about as we we come to the 40 minute mark and try and wrap things up and that's Adla. Avatar The Last Airbender. It was one of the worst adaptations by M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong I have ever seen. There was no respect to the source material of that TV show. 
There was no dedication to sticking true. They whitewashed the cast. They made funny, silly characters boring and emotional and emo. Aang wasn't funny. He wasn't a kid. He wasn't like an innocent child. He was all gloom and doom. (laughs) Sokka was an idiot. Instead of being like, Sokka is a tactical genius who's a goofball. And they just made him an idiot. The first half of that movie just drags on and does not end. And then the last 45 minutes goes too fast. And you're like, what just happened? There was so much wrong with that film. Zuko's scar, if you could even call it that, is barely visible. Like, he's supposed to be severely burnt. Like, his dad shot fire at his face and almost burned his eye out. And you can barely see the scar. Like, come on, man. And the new adaptation that they're doing for next year doesn't look any better. Oh, perfect. The showrunner, like the main creator of the 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 cartoon, was a part of the live action TV show that they're doing on Netflix, and then he ended up leaving because they weren't doing a good job. So, I really have no faith in this live action adaptation, like most of Netflix's stuff as well, where it's just like what? Yeah, like, Netflix doesn't have a great track record. They, I mean, some of their stuff, I won't. I won't lie. It's pretty good. But some other stuff is like like to bring up another one that wasn't on the list, but um Death Note. Terrible. Terrible adaptation. Oh, that was awful. But with great casting. Like it had a good cast, you know? Willem Dafoe as the the Oni. Oh fantastic. Is that who it was? Yeah, it was Willem Dafoe. Oh, it's awesome. I know, but it was a bad thing. But Atla, Avatar The Last Airbender was just horrific. I saw like maybe the first 10 minutes of it and I shut it off. I have a story and I have a friend that I can back up this story with. So I worked in a movie theater chain called Harkins Theaters. It's a local, locally owned private movie theater chain in the Phoenix Valley and Metro area. I worked at Park West, which is on the 101 and Northern. I believe it's still there. Um, And my friend and I got a chance to see it before it released at the Arrowhead Harkins Theaters, which is about a couple miles away. Not too far away, but it's a separate theater. It's a bigger theater. And we got to go to a pre-screening of it. I've never been to a pre-screening before, but apparently pre-screenings are actually pretty big in the Phoenix Valley. Um, so gotcha. we're like, cool, let's let's go in. Let's do this. What else? Like, let's, let's knock this out. I'm excited for it. You know, like, I, I think everybody was excited for it. And so we get there, we're standing in line, there's tons of people in line for this movie. I don't remember the specific circumstances, but we were able to get into this special meet and greet group where we would watch the film, take a survey on the film, and then get to meet with Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan. And I was like, 
dude, this is awesome. Like, I'm super excited for this. So we get special seating. We get to go in first. So we pick our seats, you know, center, center, as you do. You have to go center, center. You can't go up. You can't go down. Center, center. Center row. Center aisle. Center everything. I'm way too picky about movie theaters. <laughs> um, and so we're watching it, and it's me, my brother, my younger brother, Daniel, Danny, and my friend, Robert. So we're watching this movie, and all of us are groaning. All of us are like, what is going on? And so the movie finally finishes. But I will say, one amazing thing about what I saw was I saw pre-CGI. So I saw, like, fire flying down wires and all kinds of goofy (laughs) stuff. Like, it was fantastic just for the fact that there was no CGI. That was great. That was enjoyable. You could see how it was all... Yeah. How they were doing all the crap. Yeah, it was great from that standpoint. And um, that's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> and so we, we finish with the movie. We wait for everybody who's not in this special group to leave. And then we're handed our surveys. And my brother, my friend, and I just lambast this film. We all hate it. And it turns out, because we all hated it, we got kicked out of the group to meet M. Night Shyamalan. So we never ended up getting to meet him. Um, and that will forever be a frustration of mine. It's like I could have met M. Night Shyamalan, but I got kicked out of the group because I hated his adaptation of Atla. And I'm just like, man, that's pretentious. And I'm pretentious, man. Like, But come on. Like, you did a terrible job. Why? You're not allowed to tell that to him to his Apparently face. Apparently not. Apparently That's not. Just, you just can't do that. Because, you know, he's M. Night Shamalama Ding Dong, whatever you say. M. Night Shamalama Ding Dong. Shamalama Ding Dong. Yeah, you can't, you can't uh, criticize him. What's wrong with you? Yeah. I mean... Oh, a lot. Do you want it alphabetically or chronologically? <laughs> I'm already well aware. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that I I think we'll wrap up there with with that because we're pushing the forty. We just got over forty five minute mark. Um, I I kind of like keeping it under an hour for yep. the show. I think that's yep. a good good amount of time. Because once you get over an hour, you're just like, dude, stop talking. So we'll wrap it up here. Um, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this first official Rage episode where we talk about adaptations and what makes a bad one. Yep. And I feel like there could be a part two to this where we really talk about breaking apart adaptations and everything like that. And I'm going to make a note of that. Um, but that is yeah, where we like stand. going back and actually taking them apart piece by piece. Yeah. <laughs> But 
Um, hashtag not sponsored. Definitely go to BBC Maestro. Check out Alan Moore's uh, writing course. It is a writing course. He helps you learn to become a better writer. And uh, he's a great person to learn from because he's written for film. He's written for TV shows. He's written comic books. He's written books. Very well versed. Very well educated in the art of writing. There's 33 videos to the lesson, ranging from about seven minutes to almost an hour. Fantastic, fantastic course. Again, hashtag not sponsored. Highly recommended. Hashtag and, selfie. Hashtag selfie. Yeah. And with that, I bid you adieu. And let's rage on the next episode. Uh, do do. Bye. Bye.